How's everybody doing this morning? Is my mic on? Good. We're off to a good start. We're off to a good, oh, we are. Off to a better start now. It looks like the rain's holding off, which is great. There, about 6 o'clock this morning, there was a text that went out to discuss whether we should move it inside. And I said, if we move the 4th of July sermon inside, I'm on strike. <laughs> I actually didn't wake up before the decision was made, but we, 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 we are staying outside. So 4th of July has always been one of my favorite holidays. National pride tends to be high. It reminds me of parades and baseball and hot dogs. Little weird, it reminds me of hot dogs. I am a vegetarian, but it does. It reminds me of children playing like I see the ones right behind you right now. And of course, of course, it reminds me of fireworks. Who doesn't love fireworks? I have very distinct memories of my father taking us across the border into West Virginia to buy them. Now, I don't know what the laws or the rules or regulations of Ohio fireworks are today, but back then, couldn't get the good stuff in Ohio. So every year, we would make the two-hour-plus trek just across the state border into West Virginia to buy the really good and dangerous things, and and they were ready to go. They had the, uh, the fireworks stands right outside of the border, so you could go in there and get them quickly. And I remember... You had to sign a waiver that says, I will let these fireworks off in West Virginia. I will not cross state lines to let these off. So my father would sign the waiver at purchase, and then we'd quickly go back across state lines to let them off. I remember myself and the other kids, we would shoot Roman candles at each other. Roman candles are those cylindrical ones that shoot like fireballs that are different colors. We'd shoot those at each other. And then we would take M80s, which looked like little sticks of dynamite that were tied together, and we'd light the fuse and throw it under your buddy's chair to scare them. So if any children are listening at this moment, hopefully they're all playing or have zoned out by now, but don't be like me. I wasn't the brightest sparkler in the box. (laughs) The 4th of July is a distinct part of Americana. It's a time for us to pause and celebrate our country. And by now, some of you are asking me, you're saying, Tim, what does America have to do with my faith? To which I say, hold your questions till after the sermon. But also, you're absolutely correct. On its face, America and our faith have nothing to do with one another. Now, there is a strong push, a very strong push towards Christian nationalism. That certainly isn't what we're talking about here. There are preachers all across this country at this very moment that are wrapping Jesus up in an American flag and making no distinction between our faith and our citizenship. They will claim that America is a nation chosen by God to be above all others. They want to make a Christian America, a nation specifically and intentionally Christian according to a particular set of Christian values. And please notice my air quotes on those sets of Christian values. These Christian nationalists lobby and work with, unfortunately, considerable success. However, this really isn't anything new. Walter Cronkite, the news anchor who rose to great popularity and for was a long time the most trusted voice in America, was speaking on behalf of the Interfaith Alliance. And he said, As a concerned person of faith, I have watched with increasing alarm as the Christian coalition and other religious groups manipulate religion to further their intolerant political agenda. 
Cronkite goes on to quote three high-profile evangelical leaders. Jerry Falwell, right after the September 11th attacks, stated, I really believe that these pagans, these abortionists, and the feminists, and the gays, and lesbians who are actually trying to make an alternative lifestyle, I point the finger in their face and say, you helped make this happen. And then he goes on to quote Pat Robertson, who said, The feminist agenda is not about equal rights for women. It is about a socialist, anti-family political movement that encourages women to leave their husbands, kill their children, practice witchcraft, destroy capitalism, and become lesbians. And quite frankly, if anybody could do that in a 24-hour period, kudos to them. And then finally, he quoted Randall Terry, who said, Our goal is a Christian nation. We have a biblical duty. We are called by God to conquer this country. We don't want equal time, and we don't want plural, pluralism. So Cronkite then asked the crowd, Do they speak for you? Not for me. Not for most of you, I'd wager. So it's time to speak for ourselves. So clearly, this is not what we're referring to when we talk about our faith. And America. However, our country does influence us. We interact with it. Chances are, if you're listening to me speak right now, you're an American citizen, or at least you spent time in America, interacted with the culture, interacted with Americans. And we all have a different relationship with America. Some of us believe that America is unequivocally the greatest nation in the world. To complain about it makes no sense and is unpatriotic. Some of us have a different version. They, would see, they have seen the hypocrisy of America. They've experienced discrimination, been given less opportunity, have seen certain groups continue to hold the advantage, and are heartbroken over the empty promises of the American dream. And I truly understand the perspective of both groups. I really do. I was brought up in a household, in a community that always taught me about the exceptionalism of America. America was always the good guy, love it or leave it, and that was my outlook. 9-11 occurred in 2001. I was in the Air Force by January of 2002. I believed it was my duty to help protect this nation. By the time I left the military, some eight years later, I had a different perspective. By then, I had served in war zones. Some of those I served with did not come back home. We had been told of weapons of mass destruction in the Middle East that were ultimately never discovered. Maybe it was lies, maybe it was bad intelligence. To me, in my 20s, it didn't really matter. It was clear in my mind that we weren't the good guys anymore. We were either lied to to enter into a war, or at the very least, rushed into it with no real plan and at the cost of human lives. At the time, I was repulsed by the idea that we could be so easily manipulated. For a while after I left the military, I hated being thanked for my service. I wasn't proud of it. I was heartbroken that my love affair with America was torn apart and we weren't this perfect union after all. However, once again, over time, my perspective began to change. Not back to what it once was, but something new altogether. Once I made my peace that America wasn't this perfect utopia of freedom, I realized something about America. America was more than a piece of land. We have never called it the fatherland or something like Mother Russia. America was not just our government or our leaders. America isn't even that flag that's waving above us as I speak. America is about concepts and ideas and values. America is also that person that's sitting next to you right now. 
I thought back to the times that I deployed in the military. The concept of America or of our home wasn't the geopolitical aims of our leaders. Our home, our America, was each other. It was my brothers and sisters in uniform. It was even the Pakistanis who helped us at great danger to themselves. It was getting back here to friends and family and community. America was built on lofty goals. Think about it. Think for a second. At our independence, they brashly declared that all men are created equal and that governments derive their power from the governed. They contradicted about 5,000 years of human history. Equality, consent of the governed, those were radical, new, fragile, and powerful ideas. However, America isn't infallible. America doesn't live up to its promise. After independence, it took us nearly 90 years to abolish slavery. Another five after that to give voting rights to all races. Another 50 after that to give women the right to vote. We are still fighting for true equality. There has been some progress, but many of our systems are built on discrimination that gives privileges to some and disenfranchises others. America is a lot like us in that we strive for the best. We work for a better tomorrow, but we often fall short. We're hypocritical and we fail. America is a lot like us because America is us. Frederick Douglass is often considered one of the greatest Americans and for really good reasons. He was born a slave and rose to become a famous orator, author, publisher, abolitionist, and minister. Nearly 170 years to this very day, he gave a now famous speech on the 4th of July. He was asked to speak to a crowd in Rochester, New York, for a 4th of July celebration. Instead, he gave a scathing speech that ripped America for the hypocrisy of slavery, which was still in effect at the time. He stated, Fellow citizens, above your national tumultuous joy, I hear the mournful wail of millions whose chains, heavy and grievous, yesterday are today rendered more intolerable by the jubilee shouts that reach them. If I do forget, if I do not faithfully remember those bleeding children of sorrow this day, May my right hand forget her cunning and my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. To forget them, to pass lightly over wrongs, and to chime in with the popular theme would be treason most scandalous and shocking and would make me a reproach before God and the world. Now this very same man, on this very same day, stated when speaking of our forefathers, they were brave men, they were great men too. They seized upon eternal principles and set a glorious example in their defense. Mark them. In another speech, Douglas stated, No people ever entered upon the pathway of nations with higher and grander ideas of justice, liberty, and humanity than ourselves. You see, Douglas loved America. He loved America so much that he could not stand by and simply pledge allegiance to a flag while others were suffering. Douglas was acutely aware of the disparity between American principles and American practice. Even so, he embraced the country on its promise. At one of the bleakest moments and maybe one of the bleakest decades for all of the anti-slavery movement, the 1850s, Douglas declared that he knew of no better soil adapted to the growth of reform than American soil. Douglas was a patriot. Patriotism, it's a funny thing because we all have different versions of it and different definitions of it. An interesting take on patriotism comes from a man by the name of William Sloan Coffin. Coffin was an athlete, a pianist, a CIA officer. 
and later became a chaplain of Yale University. He had ministerial standing in the UCC, which is one of the denominations that First Community is affiliated with. And Coffin once stated, how do you love America? Don't say my country right or wrong. That's like saying my grandmother, drunk or sober. I like that too. It doesn't get you anywhere. Don't just salute the flag and don't just burn it either. Wash it. Make it clean. He went on further. There are three kinds of patriots, two bad and one good. The bad ones are the uncritical lovers and the loveless critics. The good patriots carry on a lover's quarrel with their country, a reflection of God's lover's quarrel with the world. Which brings me back to the question of our faith in our country and how they interact. We heard earlier in the scripture reading from Mark that Jesus was asked one day about the relationship between God and state. He answered memorably, but somewhat ambiguously, render to Caesar what is Caesar's and render to God what is God's. Notice that he didn't say exactly which was which. In fact, to conclude that from his words that the two realms are separate, completely separate, the state and God, may be a mistake. God is sovereign over all. Our faith is in God, but the deliberate vagueness, I think, is for the purpose of making us responsible for our personal faith and for the society in which we live and the people around us we are called to advocate and care for. There are good patriots all around us, and this is the part of the sermon where I may just offend everybody, so just buckle up for this one. (laughs) You remember those kneeling protests in the NFL? Caused quite a stir for some time, and it still causes quite a stir to this very day. That started with Colin Kaepernick, who was the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. He was the first athlete to take a knee. The idea was to take a knee to bring attention to several police shooting of unarmed black men that had occurred that summer. The idea for this act came from speaking with Nate Boyer, who was a former Green Beret and NFL player. Boyer stated, We sort of came to a middle ground where he would take a knee alongside his teammates. Soldiers take a knee in front of a fallen brother's grave to show respect. Kaepernick went on to say, I'm not anti-American. I love America. I love people. That's why I'm doing this. I want to help make America better. He went on to say, if they take football away, I know that I stood up for what is right. And they did take football away from him. That occurred in 2016, and he was released at the end of the 2016 season and has not played since. He had $87 million left on his contract that went unpaid. Colin Kaepernick is a patriot. He sacrificed in an attempt to make America better, whether you believe in what he did or not. The following year, as more players were taking a knee during the national anthem or protesting in some way, A player from the Pittsburgh Steelers named Alejandro Villanueva stood by himself during the national anthem while the rest of his teammates stayed in the locker room as a form of protest. Villanueva is a former Army Ranger who served three tours in Afghanistan. When asked why he stands during the national anthem, he replied, I do it because of all the veterans, all the soldiers I served with. I wore that flag when I was overseas and doing missions. If I ever looked to my left or to my right, I'd see an American flag. That's the reason why I stand. Villanueva is a patriot, whether you believe in what he did or not. Those standing on street corners and marching in our cities lamenting injustices that are incurring are patriots. 
our veterans and first responders, our patriots, those that put their fist in the air and those that put their hands over their hearts can be patriots. So let's go forth and celebrate our independence. Let's celebrate the lofty goals and ideals of America for those that came before us and sacrificed and fought for others, for those around us that are America to us. But also, let us go forth with enough love and with eyes wide open to not accept the status quo or blind allegiances or to look to the past. Let's love America so much that we move her forward into a place that has true equality and true systems that allow all to thrive, even at sometimes, even at sometimes to our own personal detriment. Let's create that beloved community right here that Jesus always envisioned for us. God bless America, and God bless all of you. Amen.